Good morning, Riverside. How are you this morning? Good. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Riverside Church. Guys, we are on holy ground today. Does that excite you? All right, we got one person. One person's excited. We are on holy ground today. Guys, and this is what I'm talking about, man. You guys know about virtual reality? You know about virtual reality? Well, today is basically biblical virtual reality. Guys, this is what we're in in Scripture. Every week we should be going to the foot of the cross. Every week we should be showing, uh, bringing everybody to the foot of the cross. What does this mean for me in my daily life? What does this mean for me in my marriage, my, my work relationships, my family? We should be going to the foot of the cross and explaining what the gospel is every Sunday. Well, today, guys, we're not at the foot of the cross. Guys, we're on the cross today. We are on the cross with Jesus. Guys, we are in the hearts, we are in the heart and the mind and the thoughts of Jesus Christ as he is crucified on the cross. If there's biblical virtual reality, today's scripture is it. Today's scripture is it, guys. Jesus' suffering is central. It's central to forgiveness, it's central to our salvation, and it's central to, and as a result, suffering, our own suffering, it's central to our lives. Our own, centri- our own suffering is central to our lives and, and our walk with Christ. Because of sin in the world and in us, the ways we suffer are more than we can count. If they're, more than we, they're more than we can count, the ways that we can suffer in our lives. Guys, today we're going to connect Jesus' suffering with ours. We're going to connect Jesus' suffering with our suffering. We're going to learn about suffering and a proper response a proper response to our suffering. I'm calling this message the breakthrough. The breakthrough. Guys, we're going to see this battle, this tension that every follower of Jesus is in. All of us. If you put your faith and trust in Christ, we're going to see this battle and this tension that we're all in. All of us are in it. Guys, this message today, this is what faith is about. Even when suffering persists, even when it persists, we can still break through it. We can still break through it. Not in our own strength. Not in our own strength, but in the strength of Jesus and his work on the cross. Guys, let's open up the scriptures to Psalm 22. We're in Psalm 22. We're going to read verses 1 through 21 to begin, and it's up there on the screen. The scripture says this, Guys, remember, we are in the heart and the mind of Jesus as he is on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the the praises of Israel, In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. 
Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is no help, none, none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open, their, they open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws, and you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. Guys, the author of this psalm, David, suffered immensely in his life. Some of it from his own hand, some of it from the hand of others. Some, some of David's suffering just landed on him, just came out of the blue and just landed on him. Guys, what we know David never suffered like what we see here in Psalm 22. We know he never suffered like this. Likely unbeknownst to David, this song that he was writing, he was writing about somebody else. He was writing about the Messiah, the future Messiah to come. This is a prophetic psalm from King David. Right down to the details. Guys, this is a stunning view from the perspective of Jesus on the cross during his crucifixion. What we're seeing here is the cup of wrath. It's being poured out on Jesus Guys, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus asked the Father to take this cup from me. Take this cup away from me, but your will be done. By going to the cross, Jesus will drink the cup of God's wrath all the way to the bottom. He will drink all of it. He will bear divine judgment. All of divine judgment, which should come on us. It should come on, upon humanity. He's suffering physical the physical and spiritual hell of separation from the Father. Jesus experienced what it was like to be completely cut off from the Father as a human. The sin of the world was coming upon Jesus, and the Father could not be near him. God cannot be near sin. His Father's distance from him was overwhelming. It was overwhelming to the point of death. It was the most agonizing thing anybody could possibly experience, being cut off from the Father's presence. Guys, this is what the consequences of our sin should look like. This is what it should look like. But guys, this is what our sin being paid for looks like. This is what our sin being paid for on our behalf looks like. Jesus' suffering is central to forgiveness and salvation. And as a result, suffering is central to our lives and our walk with Christ. Guys, everybody in here is suffering. Everybody in here is suffering, big or small. You know, one of my responsibilities at Riverside is to take the prayer cards on Sundays. You know, we encourage you to fill out these prayer cards. 
And probably every Sunday, we average about two to four prayer cards. Two to four prayers. My job is too easy. Because <laughs> my job on Mondays is to kind of process them and put them in a spreadsheet and send them to our prayer team. And then as a staff, we pray over these prayers. Guys, I should be getting 300 of these <laughs> every Sunday. Everybody is suffering. Guys, I'm suffering. Everybody in here is suffering or suffering something, big or small. God can feel distant. God can feel further away from me. The trouble seems closer to me than God feels. Do we feel that way sometimes? Maybe a lot? Guys, I'm suffering. Some of it by my own hands. Some of it by the hand of others. There's suffering happening in my family from all kinds of different angles, my extended family. And a lot of my agony in my heart is from having to watch this from a distance. All this suffering happening around me. And my heart is agonizing over watching it from a distance. It's not happening directly to me, but it's happening to people that I love. And it is agonizing, particularly knowing that I can't do anything about it. All I can do is sit here and just watch. My heart is agonizing over these things. Guys, we're all suffering on some level. So what then? What then? What do we do next? Guys, maybe verse 21 is where your suffering story ends. You're just suffering and that's it. You suffer. It doesn't make sense. There's no purpose in it. Okay, I'm suffering and I'll, I just have to outlast this and hopefully it'll get better. Right? That's kind of usually our, our approach to suffering. It's your only reality. Maybe your suffering is your single reality. Guys, Psalm 22, it shows us that there's more. It shows us that there's more to the story than just our suffering. Guys, notice the, the man's shiftiness in verses 1 through 10. They pull, back, go, pull up to the, the, the highlights in verses 1 through 10. Notice the shiftiness in this scripture. Guys, after his shift, you can see, you know, he's kind of, you can tell, and we do this. We kind of, we walk around in our lives and we're like, Man, I can't believe this is happening. God, where are you? God, where are you? But you know what, God? I remember you did this in my life. I remember you did this, this, and this, and I trust you. But no, it hurts so much. It's so painful. I don't know what to do about it. But God, I know who you are. I know who you are, and I trust you, and, and I know that you've redeemed me. Do you see the shiftiness in Psalm 22? He's going back and forth in, in this shiftiness, guys. And then after his shiftiness, he goes into full throttle anguish. Full throttle anguish in verses 11 through 21. I mean, he steps on the pedal and he's in agony. His thoughts are wrestling with these dual realities. These dual realities. Guys, when we're suffering, our thoughts, they run rampant. They run rampant. Our emotions go wild and they go in different directions. We struggle with these dueling realities. Guys, as followers of Christ, there are these dueling realities that we have a hard time reconciling. There, there's the felt reality of suffering. I feel this, I, this physical pain, this anguish, this agony in my heart. And then there's the reality of who God is and what he's done and the promises that we, that we know he gives us. But we have a hard time reconciling these two dueling realities. 
And we ask things like, man, if God says he loves me, why is God allowing me to suffer like this? Have we not all once asked that question? If God loves me, why is he making me suffer like this? The two don't seem to match. We, we struggle with this. They don't seem to be consistent with each other. We don't equate love with suffering, right? We don't equate love with suffering. They don't make sense. So what do we do? What do we say? Well, guys, we have to finish Psalm 22 because our answer is in the rest of Psalm 22 in verses 22 through 31. The scripture says this, after his full throttle anguish, listen to, his, to, to, to the shift that he makes. Guys, this is it. After his full throttle anguish, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the afflicted, the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nation shall worship before you, for kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. Guys, the, the, the suffering man is not shifty anymore. Do you see this? The suffering man is not shifty anymore. He shifts from full throttle anguish to full throttle praise and worship. Full throttle praise and worship. The suffering man, he settles into praise as he declares God's salvation to the congregation of Israel. And then the scope of his praise widens as he proclaims God's salvation to all the nations and to all future generations. He sees victory on the horizon. He sees redemption on the horizon. It's coming. His suffering hasn't gone away. He's still up there on that cross. He's still up there on that cross. But it's enough for him. Despite the suffering, the victory, the redemption, the expectation of redemption is enough for him. Guys, he's suffering, but he's not operating out of the reality of suffering. He's operating out of the reality of victory and redemption. Guys, this is what faith looks like. This is what faith looks like. It's not life without suffering. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, suffering doesn't go away. No, when you actually put your faith and trust in Christ, your, your suffering might actually increase. <laughs> it might actually increase. It's not a life without suffering. It's suffering, but knowing and living in the reality of victory that we're in. Some of you might be thinking, I get it. Okay, I get it. But how? How does this work? 
I, I think I get it, but I, there's something not like quite connecting here with me. Guys, because of the cross of Christ, there's more to the story. The cross cleared the way for the second reality. The second reality exists because of the cross. Without the cross, suffering is just suffering. It's just suffering. We suffer and then we die without the cross. Suffering is our single only reality. But guys, through the cross, another reality is birthed. And suffering becomes the way of redemption. It becomes the way of redemption. I was at a party last night, a birthday party, and I was looking at these constructs. You guys remember these constructs? As a kid, I used to love these things. I was in my glory playing with these constructs. And then I got to thinking, man, okay, here's, here's my suffering, this, this little piece here, and then here's redemption and victory. And I'm balancing them in my life. I, I, I can't make sense of them. They don't make sense. Man, I get it. Like, I'm suffering, but I don't understand why, why, why I'm suffering. But guys, this is what the cross does. The cross connects. It connects the two. And it connects the two into one. Guys, it connects the two into one. The cross is the connection between the two dueling realities. The reality of suffering and the reality of God's redemption. And it's the cross that connects the two. And with the cross, they actually go from dueling they're not dueling anymore. They're complementary. Our suffering complements our life. As painful as it is, because of the cross, our suffering complements our life. Guys, remember when I was saying how hard it's for us to equate love and suffering? It's hard for us to reconcile that? So love does connect with suffering because of the cross. Jesus suffered in our place because he loves us. In our suffering, even though it feels like the cup of wrath, even though it feels like the cup of wrath, we know that it isn't the cup of wrath. It's not the cup of wrath. Because of his love, God's wrath has been poured out on Jesus for us. And you know that your suffering is for something else. It's for something else. Because of his love, it's the cup of holiness. It's the cup of intimacy with God. It's the cup of holiness and the cup of intimacy, and we get to drink it all to the full, right down to the bottom. Jesus drank the cup of wrath to the full for us so we can drink the cup of intimacy and holiness and joy with God to the full through Jesus and through the cross. And it happens through our suffering. Guys, in verse 26, it says, the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Some of us go in that verse and maybe like we'll replace afflicted with comfort. The comfortable shall eat and be satisfied. The easy life should, should be, will be satisfied through the easy life. Guys, God used the greatest moment of suffering on the cross for the single greatest act of redemption. 
in the world. And he does the same in our suffering on a smaller scale. He does the same in our suffering on a smaller scale. Through suffering, we're getting a small taste of the cross. We're getting a small taste of the cross. Jesus did all the right things. He made all the right decisions. Perfectly obedient to the Father. Loved everybody. And he suffered the worst death. He suffered the worst death. He suffered a guilty man's death. Guys, to his followers who saw Jesus crucified, it looked like the end of the world. It didn't look like the salvation of the world. For three days, it didn't make sense. It looked like the end of the world. To Jesus, it felt like the end of the world on the cross. It felt like the end of the world. But he knew it was a new beginning and salvation for the world. Guys, in our suffering, it feels like the end of the world. Does it not? But it's actually the beginning of something new that God has coming. Through the cross, God uses our suffering to bring about redemption in our lives, to grow us, to form us into the likeness of Christ, to heal something, to shape something, to build something new in our lives, to redeem something, maybe to take something back that we took from him. He, do, he does those things through our suffering. Guys, the cross connects our reality of suffering and the reality of redemption. And it makes them complementary. Suffering complements our lives because of the cross. Guys, what does this look like when we operate out of the reality of suffering? When our reality of suffering is our single reality... What does this look like? What do we do? Well, usually, we shut it down. We shut it down. There's two, often, there's two options that we, we do when we're suffering. We either shut it down or we open it up. And when it's our single reality in suffering, and it's everything to us, guys, we shut it down. Suffering can make us self-centered. Does it not? It causes us to just shut down, to shut off. It causes us to close in on ourselves to tuck ourselves back underneath the shell. And we go away. We disappear. We retreat from God and we say things like, I'm going to take a break from God. I'm going to take a break from worship. I'm going to take a break from prayer. I'm going to take a break from church community. I'm going to take a break from reading God's word. We just shut it down. Guys, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is a part of you. His life is in you. You can't shake him off. You can't shake him off. You can't take a break from him. You can't do it. Guys, you can't decrease him and increase you. That's not the answer to our suffering. That's not the answer. When we do that, it actually causes us to spiral even more. When in our suffering, we become self-centered, we spiral down even more. Guys, remember, when you first came to Christ, when you first came to Christ, you found out who you truly were, your true identity in Christ. Why? Because you lost yourself. Because you emptied yourself. You decreased yourself and increased Jesus in your life. That's when you found out your true identity. So, 
when we think to ourselves in our suffering, I'm going to shut it down. I need to focus on myself. I need to rediscover myself. You're not really rediscovering you, yourself. Guys, we need to continually be filling ourselves with Jesus and increasing Him in our suffering. We've already found ourselves because we lost ourselves in Christ. Shutting it down is never the answer. So what's the other option that I said? Well, the other option is to open it up. To open it up. And that's what we see here in Psalm 22. It's what we see in all the Psalms. We see David and these people just opening it up to God in their suffering. The suffering man, he doesn't shut it down. He goes upward and he closes in on God. As the suffering man goes from shiftiness and full-throttle suffering to full-throttle worship in the midst of suffering, he doesn't shut it down. He keeps emptying himself, and he fills himself with God and his promises, and he praises and he worships and he remembers the past, right? And he's expectant of the future. He's opening it up. The two realities are there. They're there. The suffering's there. The reality of suffering exists, but he's no longer wrestling with them. He's no longer wrestling them. He's settled in the reality of who God is and his victory and his redemption. Guys, on the cross, Jesus didn't shut it down. He did not shut it down. He opened it up. In his suffering, he emptied himself and lost himself to his last breath to his last breath, to the very end. Guys, so our response, it's not easy. I'm not going to stand here and say that it's easy. Like we see it in Scripture, it's something that we got to work out in our lives. we got to work out our faith. I'm not saying this is easy, but our response is to continue our day-to-day walk of obedience, to not shut it down continue our day-to-day walk of obedience, of dying to self, living to Jesus, living to the life of Jesus in you, and dying to self, worshiping. Don't stop worshiping. Don't stop praising. Don't stop being expectant of the future that God has for you. Don't stop reading your word. Don't stop communing with, 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 with church community in your life. Don't stop these things. Don't shut it down. I'm not saying become numb to the suffering. We don't want to become numb to the suffering and just ignore it. No, we want to acknowledge the reality of the suffering. We want to, but we want to give it to God. We want to give it to Him. God, take this from me. I understand that this is probably going to persist, and I'm going to be suffering tomorrow but I I just give this to you. I give this to you and I'm going to live. I'm going to live in the reality of your victory and your redemption. This is faith. This is faith. Guys, this is the mark of a walk with Christ. And it's by no means easy. It's not easy. It's a marathon. It's a marathon that we all have to work out as we walk with Christ. Because not only is there a great eternal inheritance waiting for us, God has something for you that's next in your life. 
and it's there waiting for you, and he's using your suffering to connect you to that. That's how we have to view our suffering, and that's what we see here in in Psalm 22. Guys, the cross is our breakthrough. We're all looking for a breakthrough, are we not? We need a breakthrough. Even Christians, we need a breakthrough. Guys, the cross is always our breakthrough. It's always the cross of Christ. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, our suffering means that something good is coming. Something good is coming. And the hard part about it is, you know, we may actually never see it. We may never actually see redemption in our life. But we know, because God says so, that he's working all things out for our good. And that's what we trust in. Do we believe that? In the midst of suffering, is God's word enough? Is it enough for you? Verse 24, it says, For he has not despised the affliction of the afflicted. Listen, he has not hidden his face, but has heard when he cried to him. God hears your cries. He hears your suffering. He's not hiding his face. Our suffering makes us believe that he's distant from us, but he's not. He's not distant from us. He is there with us in our suffering. He hears you. He's a part of your suffering. And we see that on the cross. He's a part of it. And he's in it. He's with you in it. And he hears you. God isn't just the God of your success. You know, sometimes we can be comfortable as Christians. And he's not just the God of our comfort and our success. He is the God of our suffering. He is the God of our suffering. And we see that on the cross. If we have not put our faith and trust in Christ alone, there is no redemption. There is no redemption. There's no resurrection. There's only suffering and death. Guys, the cross turns our suffering from an unnecessary nuisance and a dead end, an unnecessary nuisance and a dead end, to a necessary, purposeful tool. God connects our suffering with his victory, and he makes them complementary. Our suffering is complementary to our life. And there's nothing more satisfying in life than knowing Christ, a living, breathing relationship with Jesus. And we know Christ no more. We know Christ no more than when we're suffering. We know him no more than when we're suffering. Jesus' suffering is central to the gospel. And it's central to our lives. Our suffering is central to our lives. Let's pray.